to that Bears game last week. Yeah, hell of a game, hell of a game. Back, to back is Cutler, second and 10 of the 20. Backs up, now throws, left side, back shoulder fake, Jeffrey, touchdown! Touchdown Bears! Don't stop, don't stop, don't stop. A team that is known as Cutler takes the snap, blitzes on, he's going to screen it left, caught at the 12, here's Lankford 15-20, Lankford 25-30, Lankford away at the 40, a block from Wilson at the 40 of the Rams, Lankford angling middle of the field, running away from the Rams to the 10, 5, end zone, touchdown Bears! Bears Hour Live, with Lauren Cox and the draft doc, Philitoshin. With me, as always, are the super fans. I'm smarter than the average bear. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Bears Hour Live. You're here with Lauren Cox and Philatoshin talking to you right after the yeah, Bears got yeah, their yeah, first yeah. win of the season against the Detroit Lions at home. Obviously, there's a lot to get to, but I think the most important place we have to start right now is at quarterback. I mean, obviously... There's there's rumblings now, you know, second straight game for over 300 yards for Brian Hoyer. Jeff Dickerson from ESPN says Brian Hoyer should be the starter until further notice. Phil, I know you and I both disagree with that. What what do you say to the people that say, okay, Phil, I think Brian Hoyer should be the starter. Why do you disagree? You're looking at a game manager, a well-called game because the running game, which we've honestly, let's go back. In the preseason, Lauren, uh, Bears barroom, colleagues, yourself, me, pounding the table about the necessity to run the football and have Jordan Howard be the guy toting it. It was very clear then. Let's not make this a magical mystery tour. This isn't the Beatles now. This is football. So we're looking at a guy running the rock, opening up the passing game against the defense minus its two best football players and maybe the best, one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. The offensive tackle position in Chicago has not held up, no matter what anyone's trying to portray here. And Jeff Dickerson should be ashamed of himself for, for, to portray this image like this. He hasn't been saying this for years now, trying to pull this kind of stuff. He hasn't watched the damn dickle of tape and never has. He's probably the worst sports commentator, but he's great for television, and and that's what they want. So Jeff Dickerson, honestly, shouldn't even be a voice of reason. He should shut his mouth and go on because the tape doesn't lie about what Cutler has been able to do with nothing. Today we saw one game, one game, with, mind you, 17 points, pardon my language, isn't a big thing. It should have been 35 points. Should have been, you should have blown this team out and you're missing reads, dump off, check down, not attacking down the field. Things we talked about with Eddie Royal, getting him over the top, using Alsha. Okay, it was a dink and dunk, Kyle Orton, Moses Moreno mix quarterback play. The kid played good, not going to take it away from him. Stepped up where he had been so sour before, but to talk like Jay Cutler. It wouldn't have done something today is mind-boggling to me. Yeah, and I mean, it's like all of a sudden we should be super impressed that Brian Hoyer lit up the Lions' defense. Ooh, you know? And exactly. This is the Detroit Lions. I mean, obviously they've won the last six games against the Bears, but that's for a lot of other reasons than just the Lions being a decent team. I mean, 
this was not uh, – Brian Hoyer did not shred the Lions defense. You couldn't describe this, his performance like that. I mean, if, if, if this is the typical Bears game plan of handing the ball off 13 times and Jordan Howard doesn't average 4.8 yards a carry and he's not allowed to run play action game off of that and they're not finding you know guys like Eddie Royal and Cameron Meredith and getting the ball spread around. I mean, this was more – I think this, this – kept Dowell Loggins his job more than it did keeping Brian Hoyer his starting job because I think you actually saw coaching adjustments from the first three games to now that we just hadn't seen and and I think that's huge I don't know if this was something where John Fox finally put his foot down and said okay enough of this no more force feeding the ball to Kevin White you know let's get the offense going in a bunch of different directions and let's keep running the ball or if it was something where I mean I, I'm, I'm curious to know if you have an, if you have a, a theory on that about why something changed now on this offense after it hadn't after in the first three weeks because it's not just the Lions in this game. I mean, clearly the Bears took the steps necessary to put Brian Hoyer in the best position to succeed, and I, I totally agree that if, if Jay Cutler had been under center, he could have easily done a lot more damage against this team, and at the end of the day, Brian Hoyer put up barely put up 17 points on the Detroit Lions, and I think we would have seen Jay Cutler put up quite a few more touchdowns. But why do you think we saw the changes that we did now on offense? What, what had to have happened? Well, you saw, and I'm patting myself on the back here, Lauren, because this is what I said, a rotation at receiver, taking the onus off of a young player like Kevin White, bringing in a mix with your boy uh, Cam Meredith, my boy there too, Eddie Royal getting involved after the sticks, push his limit into the secondary. He's their fastest receiver right now. It's very clear that he's a playmaker. Here's a guy that we thought wasn't going to even make the team because he wasn't healthy. Now he's out there making plays. It's very to see, easy to see, and you're running the football. And you have a running back that's breaking arm tackles. This isn't guesswork. You know, a lot of empty sets today, still questionable decisions in third and shorts. The same issues are still there, but the rotation of personnel, I felt like, helped this football team, along with a defense that, let's be honest, the Detroit Lions, although there was a lot of smack talk from Calculator Kent and company, weren't a team that stepped up today on the defensive side of the football. The Bears had their way with them. Any pass threatening the seams was going to be a completion today. Unfortunately, they didn't do it very much, Lauren. But the running game and the rotation and 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 uh, the offensive tackles played better. They didn't play good. They played better. Yeah, baby steps. Baby steps. Yeah, but, I mean, you talk about you know, the Lions defense definitely did not step up to play. But the Bears defense did. I mean, defensively, they held them to six points, held them out of the end zone. That only touchdown came on the – the uh, the punt return touchdown in the fourth quarter there, which special teams is a whole another whole another ball game. But as far as the defense goes, you know it wasn't like every player played lights out by any means. But they got the job done when they needed it. I mean, you saw guys like Will Sutton and Cornelius Washington come in the game and have some pretty nice performances. And uh, Bryce Callahan returns from injury, has a great game. Even Cravon LeBlanc again in the slot, your boy, he's having yes. a good game. It well, you know, it wasn't everyone. I mean, Adrian Amos made some mistakes here and there, and. I think Harold Jones Corte missed a couple tackles, and John Timu was John Timu. But I mean, same kind of thing with this defense, like with the offense, where the coaching staff made some changes. You know, Leonard Floyd's not playing as much, and Willie Young and Sam Ochoa are playing some more, and you know, John, Nick Kwiatkowski's out there quite a bit. And you know, there wasn't a perfectly called game, but it seemed to be that same kind of step up. I mean, 
Uh, was there anybody I missed you that you were impressed with on defense or particularly I, disappointed with maybe? I thought Bryce Callahan came with an edge. He played with an attitude. He was playing outside. I felt like this young man, you know, stepped up to the challenge. I thought they pulled Tracy Porter out of the game for I don't know what he's doing technically and physically. He got pulled out of the game, and you saw a little bit more of a young Jacoby Glenn who consistently finds the football. And those kind of players, along with the rookie, steps in, finally gets on the football field, has an interception fall into his lap. But you can't overlook or discount guys that make plays, you know, guys that are going and moving to the football. I thought John T. Moo is a short yardage special teams linebacker. That's it. He shouldn't be out there. The kid Kwiatkowski is clearly leaps and bounds ahead of him physically and mentally. I, I think Timu, Timu has a good mental approach of football game, rather. I just think if there was a race, you know, Willie Gull versus Tom Waddle in comparisons here for Bears fans, it's, 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 it, you got a young rookie, play him. Allow him to learn with Jarrell Freeman and move forward. And there was a different attitude on the defensive line. Akeem Hicks came into the game, showed some great, great energy and effort out there. How about my boy Cornelius Washington getting to the quarterback, making plays? The defense really had an attitude about it. Willie Young really brings that edge to them. Uh, Leonard Floyd, I don't know, guys. <laughs> I can't keep going over this. People are going to say, well, he's hurt, Phil. He's hurt. Well, he's always hurt. He's 228 pounds. That's an issue that you drafted. But that's for another day. Maybe in the bar room we'll talk about that again. I can't overlook opportunity to be successful. If you're going to hold a Kadeem Carey accountable, you better damn well hold your first round ninth overall pick that you traded up for accountable to. Get on the phone field and play football that's what you need out here this was a day for him to showcase himself colleague jose Cotto put it as a, a key point these offensive tackles in detroit like the bears hadn't been playing well to throughout the you know season early season so far it's the time for the this team to build confidence and gain it i thought also you saw my vine out there it was tragic it was ridiculous that any officiating crew, Lauren, could ever miss a clip that's critical in a game. I don't care what the score is. I don't care that the Bears won. That kind of stuff happens in critical moments moving forward. That, that has to be called. If you haven't seen it, go to my Twitter account. It's vined right there perfectly. I get fired up with it. I'm a coach. I get fired up, Lauren. I can't help it. Well, and, you know, Chris Brzezinski did get pretty well walloped from behind, which certainly, you know, it's it's a big call in a big situation. But I think, what, three other Bears missed tackles on that punt return touchdown? I mean, I, I mean, I know you're not saying that that clipping penalty allowed the touchdown, but at the same time, if if any of those three Bears that get hands on their punt return and bring them down, it's, it's not that big of an issue at the end of the day. I mean, certainly it's a bad call. I'm not trying to say it wasn't. But, you know, it, I don't feel like it was – monumental necessarily in the outcome of that play all, when it was all said and done. Oh, I totally disagree with you. I think it's monumental because you let up seven points. It could be the difference in the game. They get an onside kick. We've seen it happen to the Bears 
time after time. Uh, Atlanta Falcons game, a chip kick. You all of a sudden they get it to midfield. They kick a field goal. They tie the game. We go into we lose. All this stuff happens to the Bears. It needs to be cleaned up. You got eight refs on the football field. That play is an easy call. Just as easy as he threw the flag for whatever. The guy wasn't lined up on the line of scrimmage. The clip has to be called there because it was critical in the tackle. He would have made the tackle had he not got pushed past and knocked over, ass over tea kettle. Reality is, you're right. The other three numb nuts should have been able to combine and make (laughs) make a play on the football, make a tackle. I'm not going to blame the special teams coach in this. You had ample opportunities to get the guy to the ground. I felt it happening as they were kicking. This guy, O'Donnell, he needs competition as well. Anytime there's critical kicks, I mean, boom the ball out of bounds, call it a day, make them work for a touchdown. You give it up, it just doesn't sit well with you as a Bears fan. It shouldn't. But if an official missing the call, despite the fact they were victorious, still is terrible. It's as bad as Jeff Dickerson talking that Brian Hoyer has earned this starting role. Come on. We're playing the Lions. This wasn't J.J. Watt and uh, the Houston Texans defensive line today. This, there was no Ziggy Ansah out there today. Let's see what happens when pass rush comes and comes in droves. And we've, we've seen what Brian Hoyer has done. Well, and uh, just a, a brief aside, we saw our boy Ashawn Robinson make a couple of nice plays on the Lions defensive line, but that was that was more or less it. But, man, he would look so good in blue and orange. Oh, don't get me started with him oh, and split, Pete He split a couple Hicks. double teams. Oh, man, it was beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Thanks, but, look. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I want to reiterate that point you made about the special teams coach and, and how you can't blame him too much for that play because at the end of the day, what – what more can he do? You know, he gets like three plus guys in position to make a play on that punt returner, and they just don't do it. And at the end of the day, as a coach, the the only thing you can do is put your players in the best position to succeed, and that's exactly mm-hmm. what they did on that punt coverage team. It seemed like from the coaching and the mental aspect of it, everyone was in the right position. The guys just didn't execute, and they have to quit trying to grab him by his shoulder pads and his helmet and actually go down to his legs. And maybe you can blame the coaching staff a little bit on – tackling for him but obviously there's some restrictions about contact in the offseason so you know you certainly can't put the blame on the special teams coach for a play like that I think I think that comes down to individual players having to step up and make a play absolutely you know we's talking about coaches I want to put aside here again Dick Magazoo with the offensive line plays and I'm, I haven't looked at the tape this is a one watch feeling here Running zone plays with your offensive coordinator, you two need to get on the same page because there's certain things that certain players cannot do. And if you've got a guy in a three technique and you're asking your center to go and get this guy across about three yards off the guard and the guard's not helping him, it's not going to work. They do that one-arm crap. It's like it's just terrible. give him just a little like stiff arm barely ta- touch taps him. him. He taps him and they go. That – I don't know what kind of coaching that is. So when fans see me get fired up with Magazoo as a whole, that's why. Because if you're trying to run that zone play, you can't, A, turn your shoulders and run. That is a loss. That's penetration, linebacker, defensive line. You have to be square 
and measured in your cutoff and your ability to get to the next band. They're not. It happens over and over again. The false starts, the holdings, the 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 end of the half was a Bobby massive mistake out there. I mean, he lets up a sack. He false starts. <laughs> it's just you get out of field goal range and Connor Barth misses it. If he's closer, does he make it? I don't know. But the reality is that sloppy play can't happen. And that's sort of been uh, the same story for the Bears' offensive line. And it's it's along those lines of the baby steps we were talking about where we see improvement on offense, you know, the running game and mixing it up in the passing game. But, you know, there's still a lot to clean up. And obviously we're not trying to gloss over anything. But it starts kind of on that offensive line still. It doesn't seem like that's a problem that's going to be going away at all anytime soon so long as they don't make any changes. I mean – We've seen some improvement from Bobby Massey and Charles Leno each week, step by step, but there's significant coaching flaws, especially in that zone running game, like you're talking about guys stepping backwards on their first step and giving up that line of scrimmage, or mm-hmm. you know, not saying square, not helping on those double teams. And you know, it, it, when you mentioned the, the, especially the thing about the center getting over to the three technique, can, can you imagine if that was Matt Slauson at center trying to do that? Yeah, he could never do it, and that's we that's why have. that's why I tweeted that out last year, and um, unfortunately, some beat reporters can't handle the truth because they don't they don't watch the tape not all of them but almost all of your beat reporters in chicago have no clue i can name two that actually watch the tape and uh, and uh, and that i respect other than that you're you're dealing with guys just throwing labels and and narratives out there you know i speak the truth i'm not gonna pretty it up i thought kevin white really took a freaking step forward and so unfortunate that I don't know what the injury is. They're saying it's an ankle. Lauren, I can't, I don't know. Maybe one of the callers could come in and tell me if there's been an update, but I don't know if it's that same leg or is it something else. But it's unfortunate because this was the guy that I wanted to see doing the dirty work. The only thing I would ask him to clean up, get rid of the spins. Spins near the sideline, fine. Don't be spinning around in the middle because some linebacker or D lineman's coming and you're going to get plastered. So stay true to your form and play with speed. And and he was catching the football. Uh, questionable challenge, not ruled in the Bears' favor. I understand it hit the ground, but I thought he possessed and hit the ground. Um, I thought Eddie Royal continues to be a huge part of this offense that's being overlooked in opportune situations you saw him be used more today he is a downfield threat he puts pressure on those safeties and that's what we need in Chicago is someone who's going to threaten that seam and those safeties aside from Alshon Jeffrey running jump balls which you didn't see that in the game plan today yeah and you know uh, you mentioned callers We'll, we'll definitely open up the phone lines now for anybody that wants to call in but just to keep the conversation going here you know you talk about Kevin White and it, we're starting to see that confidence really starting to build in him. And, and last week they, they had to force it to him quite a bit, especially on those those deep balls. And you, and you wonder if that really built some confidence for him. And it was kind of interesting to see how he was going to respond today. And like you said, before he got hurt, he was he was really balling a little bit with the ball in his hands and making guys miss. And uh, looks like we got our first caller coming in here. I'll add him to the to the room here. Uh, uh, caller, are you in here? Uh, doesn't doesn't look like it. Doesn't. Does not look like it. Um, but anyway, um, and like you said, mixing in other wide receivers in the group, it, it was one of those things where 
you got to hope this kid doesn't get discouraged again by that injury. You know, you got to make sure that you build on this performance, kind of like you did last week with them. And um, you got to get the ball into his hands in more ways. And it just kind of seems like, you know, it's not it's not about forcing it, but it is about keeping him involved and, and making sure he can make plays with his hands. Yeah, you really got to recognize. I mean, you saw. Cameron Meredith, you saw the use of the tight end. There was a couple plays that continue to baffle you where they're not throwing to the sticks. They're throwing be beneath the sticks. And and that's got to be frustrating because you're in third down critical situations. You're trying to get a rhythm and a flow. you got to know where your sticks are. And there's been some bad snap. Anytime Hoyer had a snap that was even a bobble by him, he's just going first route read. And he just had no patience in the pocket. These are things that, you know, stat scouts aren't going to show you. But the reality is, if you have patience, you let that guy work to the next level. You can continue on with your drive. Instead, you're throwing a five-yard out. You need eight. And the guy's getting tackled. Yeah, you want to see a guy make a play, Lauren. But ultimately, you're not getting the kind of movement or the ability that you want to see from your receivers there or your tight end. I thought Zach Miller did play a good game. I didn't see enough of Ben Broniker. I was hoping to see him. And uh, Logan Paulson continues to just be up and down like a seesaw. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to see the Ben Broniker unleashed at some point. Here was his nickname Bronk, I think. I mean, yeah. you know, Zach Miller, he had a decent, a decent game, but not – not quite exactly what you need, and I think he even got banged up at one point. Is that is that what I remember correctly? He left the game and, and came back in, which, again, you don't want to see with a guy like him that's had injury problems in the past. But certainly, you know, you need to get the tight end more involved, and I'm surprised uh, Hoyer didn't do as much. And, and like you said, Logan Paulson's another guy that you've, you've got options, and Dowell Loggins likes to use those tight ends. So let's, let's hope that they can get some more from other positions to take pressure off Kevin White, take pressure off Alshon Jeffrey, and take pressure off the quarterback that knows he has more options than just his wide receivers to when he's scanning the field. Yeah, and you look at this team as a whole, I thought, you know, Deontay Thompson, uh, is he worth the returns? Uh, you know, that's my question. He gets a critical holding penalty, took away some, I think a 25-yard, 27-yard run by Jordan Howard. He didn't have to hold. It wasn't even necessary, but he did. And then you miss an opportunity for the young, you know, the young back to get in a rhythm, get in a roll. I don't know what he brings to the offensive table. I don't see it. If you're keeping someone like that on the roster, why not Daniel Braverman at this point? Get your young guys up. Get a guy that can run a 4-4-40 and threaten the seam and be a combination of Eddie Royal and him. And with these, I don't know how long, if Kevin White's injury is going to carry over, but that would be the move. Put this young kid, Mosfert, is that his name, Lauren? Moshert, I think. Uh, Put him back deep. Anybody that would Mostert. Yeah, let him run, kick, return. Get a guy that can actually do something on offense up. It's just a necessity at this point. Yeah, I mean, Deontay Thompson is definitely not getting the job done. Bellamy would be a great candidate. Mostert, too. I think that's kind of what – and I, it, it might be a French name. It might be like Moser or something like that, but it's spelled like Mostert, and then we're, we're just a couple of white guys. So 
We're just going to call him Mostert. But you can't pick us in the first round. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it, it, it does kind of highlight a little bit of that lack of speed that we've talked about in the past on this offense. That you know, I don't know. Is there because I mean I don't know. These guys can't seem to. You don't have any. You don't have very many guys that just stand out as like, oh yeah, this guy would be good on kickoff returns. Because like you know, Kevin White has speed. You know, Eddie Royal has speed. You know, even Cam Meredith and. Deontay Thompson has speed, but they're not they're not kickoff return guys. You know, I mean there's a difference between just being fast and being able to see the field and return a kickoff and I, I just don't know. I don't know if you know, I think Mostert or, or Daniel Berryman is kinda of their best option right now because those are two of the more unknowns. You know, you don't know exactly what they can do with the ball in their hand. I mean I'm sure Ryan Pace has been looking at the open market to see if he can get something else there too, because like you said, Deontay Thompson definitely not getting it done. Oh, he's making mistakes and under two minutes to go in a critical game down by points, down by three, you're taking it out, getting it to your 15-yard line. That can't happen. Those kind of errors. You know, yes, he started the game with a 29-yard kickoff return. All right, but then, you know, what does he do for you? At this point, I can find a guy in the street that can return kicks. So I think it's time to bring the young boy up. He was holding the clipboard today with Cutler charting plays. Let him get up on the field. I, I just see it as easy pickings to get that up. Now, I think the next thing we got to talk about, Lauren, is kicker competition Mondays. Because Connor Barth, Robbie Gold, there's not been a kicker that could step up and just make kicks that you're supposed to make. You got one job. One job. That's it. That's what you get paid to do. There's no sympathy here. Opponents are coming into your football field banging 54-yard field goals like they're, it's their job because it is. It's time to get competition at punter and kicker. Push these guys. You need to want and appreciate your job. And when I say want to kick, that's got to be your passion that you're every play is about burying a field goal for your team and being a member of the team. I was on football teams where the kicker was isolated and disregarded. We had five kickers at Hofstra and all of them had their own struggles and, and, and strengths. But the reality was they were isolated because they weren't consistent. And until they were, they weren't treated like a member of the football team. You got to have a, a level of edge and a level of confidence backed up by success. You can't just walk out there like you're the man and you're missing. Come on. Let's get this reality in check. And you said the same thing about the punters, too. I mean, it's not that Pat O'Donnell has been terrible by any means, but you got to bring in more competition for these guys, even if it's just another day of workout. You know, in the Bears and Outs, they've worked out, you know, two or three different kickers. Just mm-hmm. see what's out there. See, you know, keep tabs on everyone as much as possible and just kind of let, let Connor Bars know, hey, we've got other options. Hey, Pat O'Donnell, we have other options. I mean, you know, it's not it's not saying, oh, we don't trust you, we're not confident in you, but it's just kind of a reminder that, hey, you got to make sure you want it. Like you said, I mean, it, it is funny how after one game of the offense and, and defense looking decent, it's kind of like, well, now let's look at the special teams because they've been struggling, whereas in the first three games, you know, the offense and defense is so bad, it's like, well, special teams, that'll that'll come later, but that 
it was such exactly. a, a least important part of what was wrong with this team. But now it's like, okay, we've got some we got some base level of offense and some base level of defense here, even though it was against the Lions. Now let's look at the special teams that almost cost them the game with that punt return touchdown and then the uh, the onside kick nearly uh, being a disaster. It was that Cam Meredith, I think, that got a couple hands on it, and it wasn't until Sam Ocho ended up reeling it in that they actually had secured it. And I, oh, yeah. I do want to apologize to people that are trying to call in. We're having some difficulties getting you into the call right now. I'm not 100% sure what the issue is, but we're working on it as, as we're going here. But uh, we'll, hopefully we'll be able to get somebody in here shortly. Well, you work on that, Lauren. I got to talk about this crap about Jay Cutler. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the chapter page verse turned and all of a sudden you forget how much this guy has taken and been abused and been overlooked and taken for granted and not supported. I don't care what anybody says about offensive lines. There has been zero investment appropriately invested on those edges. You're talking about seventh round picks, sixth round picks, pick up from scrap heaps. You know, a guy chipped Mike Tice's tooth, all of a sudden he's your starter. These stories aren't made up, folks. This is reality, and it affects your passing game, your running game, and what you want to do. By no means am I saying that Jay Cutler has been a perfect prospect because you know what? There are none. Anytime quarterbacks get pressure, you see errors. Your fanboy cruise ship carrier, uh, what's his name? In uh, Arizona last year, quarterback. Why am I drawing a blank on his name? Matt Barkley or Carson Palmer? Carson Palmer, thank you. Okay. Carson Palmer is a great quarterback. As soon as he can't be protected, he becomes below average. Why? Because that's a part of the position. That's a part of the scheme and the philosophy. Guys can't get open in time with only 2.1 second to get rid of the football. And if you're looking at people like Michael Wilbon, who, honestly, Michael Wilbon, the only time he's gotten on the line is for a buffet, an all-you-can-eat buffet. Because <laughs> he's never played football in his life, and he doesn't know anything about the stick to basketball in Washington, okay? Whatever, the Wizards. I don't watch basketball, Lauren. Because there's guys think, like this that I just... I think he covers the Bulls. I, I mean, he's always been a kind of a Bulls, chicago sports guy, but the Wizards are in Washington. I know he's from yeah. Chicago, went to Northwestern. The guy is horrific and has a job that gives him a platform that opens up a stage to say stupid stuff to get fans fired up. So the reality is, all of a sudden... We're not looking at tape. We're not talking to the right people, football people. We're not talking to a Bill Polian. We're just talking to some schlep that does statistics for you at ESPN. And now all of a sudden that's your controversy. And there's a QB controversy in Chicago. The reality is the offensive line played better because the defensive line they were going up against was poor. We saw it last week too. It's not a big, not a big excuse. It's a reality. So 
you want to see improvement. It's the fourth week, but to react and act like you didn't see what Jay Cutler was dealing with last year with no wide receiver. He didn't have this kind of talent. He didn't have Kevin White, uh, Eddie Royal healthy, or Alshon Jeffrey. He didn't have that. He had Mark Mariani, Josh Bellamy, uh, Deontay Thompson, and and Zach Miller running routes against the San Francisco 49ers down the stretch. He had opportunities. He won in Lambeau Field, Mr. Wilbon, Mr. Uh, Dickerson, Jeffrey Dickerson. He won in Lambeau Field against the Green Bay Packers on Favre night with the same ragamatag crew. The reality is it's a team sport. They need a good defense. Today, the defense player inspired and fired up football. There was hitting going on. There were players that stepped up. We talked about, we can talk about them again. Yeah, I thought Will Sutton, I forgot to mention that to you. I thought he stepped up and played a really good game at the nose tackle position. Got into a few plays in short yardage situations, was able to bring the ball carrier down. Basically took a giant step forward. But the Cutler situation in and of itself is one that just is so ridiculous and it's so dumb. It's like measuring who was a better track star, a better athlete, Michael Jordan or your first baseman, Mark Teixeira. It's that, that's how much of a difference it is. And it's like, do we, how quickly do we forget who Brian Hoyer is? You know what I mean? Like, how many bad games have we seen Brian Hoyer? You know what I mean? Like, how many, how many bad throws have we seen him make? How many terrible decisions? I mean, even, even back with the Houston Texans, when he was quote unquote winning games, it wasn't, it wasn't like he was tearing it up by any means. But at the same time, it's, I mean, he's not. He had a good game against the Detroit Lions in a, in a very well-schemed offense today. But this is not a good – I mean, didn't he have a bunch of pick sixes kind of like Matt Schaub did? And there were a bunch of throws that just are, are in the dirt or wide or tall. And I think we do have Shane Marsaw on the line now. Is that, is that Shane I'm hearing? After about 25 minutes of me scrambling with technical difficulties, somehow, someway, Uh-oh. Shane Marsaw is on the phone. Is that correct? You, you guys got me? There he is. Oh, man. This is The mailman. I think the technical difficulties were on my end. I looked out my window here, and there's a guy with a calculator in his front pocket <laughs> holding this Matthew Stafford blow-up doll in tears, so I don't know what's going on. Jesus. Detroit Barrooms Calculator Kent? I think so. I don't know. It could be. There could be a striking resemblance, but... Anyways, to give you guys a couple of updates, I'm not sure if you guys heard, John Fox did say that uh, Leonard Floyd and Tracy Porter went out with a calf injury and a knee injury and both could have returned, but he, or the coaching staff opted to, to hold them out the rest of the game and they don't know the severity of Kevin White's ankle injury right now, but, you know, he wasn't... Um, he wasn't carted off the field, and he did walk himself to the tunnel, so hopefully we have some good news on that because I thought he really really stepped up his game today. Oh, it was a great showcase of the young man today. I thought he stepped up very well, Shane. I got to agree with you there. I was talking about him, as you said. Kid uh, caught the ball with his hands, knew yeah. where the chains were, 
was physical. You saw him get fired up. And that's what you want to see from a young football player who was drafted in the first round. Yeah, you know, we've always pointed to that with Pernell McPhee. You know, he's always screaming about bringing that dog out, and I think you get a little bit of that with Kevin White because other than other than Kevin White on offense, I mean, maybe Kyle Long is a guy that you, you get some fire from, but other than uh, those two guys, I don't think you get a heck of a lot, um, you know, of that passion after a big play to, to get, the, get the guys going, and I don't think you can discount that. And, you know um... – I know PFF's not done grading this game because they, they, I remember at one point they were running behind, but from what they've got so far, on Kevin White's first nine targets, they came against seven different defenders in coverage. So they were really try, moving them around the field, trying a bunch yep. of different things, you know, different corners. Looks like both both starting corners, both safeties, and a number of linebackers and a, a nickelback were all over him on those first nine plays. And, and he did a good job of not only, you know, making the catch, but then once he gets the ball in his hand, he, he got some decent yards after the catch and, and really helped move the chains of this offense like we talked about. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You got to love, Shane, the way this young corner um, put pulled from nickel. And I thought, you know, I made this point last week and the week before, this kid Le, Le, LeBlanc, Cravon yep. LeBlanc, is a football player. I just, yep. he brings an edge, and then you bring another football player and you put him outside, although he's diminutive in size like myself. But he challenged, challenged <laughs> Golden Tate. Golden Tate yeah. has been a Chicago Bear knife in the back, and he got in his grill. I honestly can't say enough about Callahan today. I thought he was the story of the defense. He brought a dog in him. In his yeah. five foot nine frame, and you know you look at you look at the young guys too, and I mean Jacoby Glenn by no means is perfect, and he can make some big mistakes, and you know he's not real physical, but to me, you have to really overlook some of that because if you're going to take the ball away, I really yep. have no, I really have no issue with it. If the Bears need playmakers, and if you're gonna if you're gonna get beat a couple of times, but then you end up taking the ball away, I mean, granted there was some miscommunication on on uh, Detroit's part on that. But still, we haven't seen enough of that from Chicago. And DeAndre Hall, the limited amount of snaps that he gets, the kid always shows he out. Does. Doesn't he? Yeah, and I was I was hoping I, – I don't even think he was expecting that ball, to tell you the truth. I was hoping he was going to get up and start running, but he just – he uh, got up to his feet and then he just dove for the sideline. I think he got out of bounds. But. I don't know what he was doing on that, but he – he had it yeah. full right in his lap, and I was saying that earlier in the show. There's no substitute for guys that right. attract the football. He's got these long arms, and yep. he covers ground. He's an athlete. He's not speedy by any means, but he's very fluid, and it's Ye- just it's a showcase. I agree with you 100%. you got to get guys. Why is Porter out there anyway? Well, he'd been playing well before, like in the previous yeah. games, but he had a lot of trouble with Marvin Jones today. That was that was a little rough. Yeah, I mean his and, tackling, Shane. It looked like uh, you know, I, I don't know, Dave Wanstead era, <laughs> without the mustache. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, one thing that I got to point out about secondary while we are are talking about it is um, Harold Jones, Corte, and Adrian Amos, and I don't think I nobody's really talked about it too much. Is these guys are 
laying some wood out oh, there yeah. and setting yep. the tone. And I said, you saw a guy like Marvin Jones today get totally de- destroyed. And I really think it affected him for the whole game because, I mean, he had a couple of jo- drops that you, you know, you weren't, you weren't expecting to see them. And, and, and HJQ and Adrian Amos, you know, even coming in as a rookie, that was the big knock that he wasn't physical, but boy, since he's been in the NFL, he, he's not afraid to, to put his head down and just blow people up. And, and that's a, a huge thing moving forward for our young secondary to have these young guys in the back end, you know, no more Antrell roles and, and guys like that out there that are too old and can't do anything. But for them to set the tone, you know, defensively by, you know, overpowering these guys and, and blowing them up, I think is a huge thing moving forward too that we need to talk about. Yeah, and, and once, I mean, in in theory, it's the, the idea sort of that, Dion Bush will take over for Harold Jones Corte at some point. I mean, maybe not even this season, but in the future. But if that does happen, which may turn into a whole other question down the line, but Dion Bush is right up with them as far as those guys that can come down and thump. And I mean, we haven't seen that from Bush yet in the NFL because I don't think he's played a snap on defense yet. I don't know if he's even been active in any right. of the games. But, you know, it, that, that seems to be what. Vic Fangio is looking for to safeties right now. I mean, not as much DeAndre Houston Carson, but it, it's sort of becoming the identity of at least that end of the secondary. Is you got guys at corner that aren't too uh, aren't too keen on the idea of contact, especially when you've got uh, Jacoby right. and Tracy Porter out there. And we need to start seeing some uh, plays from DHC instead of seeing so many flags coming from him too. I said that seems like it's a, a weekly thing on his part. On Houston Carson. Seems like he's getting flagged at least once a game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in the special teams plays. I, you gotta get... I don't understand the Dion Bush situation, how he's not out there, how he's not in the field of play, making plays with his length. That's a questionable thing. You know, here's a fourth-round pick. Prasinski, what does he give you? Almost like Deontay Thompson talk. Now, granted... The coaching staff sees something in him. I just don't see it with why Dion Bush isn't involved yet. Yeah, the only thing I can think of is, like, I I sent you that little blurb today, is maybe there's some sort of an injury and maybe it, it, it flared up. That's the only thing that would make any sense to me because if you're going to go young pretty much everywhere and you're getting these young guys some burn, out on the field, how are you trotting out Chris Brzezinski out there over a guy like Deion Bush? It just it doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever unless, like we said, there could be a, a possible injury involved that, that flared up because I believe even in college I think he had some shoulder issues. Well, and it's important to remember, too, that uh, Harold jones Corte is 23 years old. So, I mean, yep. he's, he's not – you know, it's not like – I mean, obviously we'd want to see Bush more on special teams, but, the, you know, defensively it's not like – the Bears are starting some veteran over Deion right. Bush. It, I mean, it's definitely still a very young secondary. And I guess I don't know off the top of my head. Is, is Jones Corte younger than Adrian Amos? I don't remember how old Amos was coming out of college. I, like think the both, age. I think they're both 23. Yeah, yeah. 20, so two 23-year-old safeties out there laying the, laying the wood and really starting yeah. to make a name for themselves on that back end. Is, you know, you don't want to you don't want to come across the middle anymore. I think people are starting to take note of that, especially after that big hit in the Cowboys game that kind of went viral. Yeah. Which uh... – you know, one more thing to point out: which of uh, Golden Tate's one reception for one yards did 
impressed you guys the most today. (laughs) (laughs) That was a story for me. Here, Riddick and Tate, I thought, have eaten the Bears alive. You know, Shane, what are we seeing with Nick Kwiatkowski not being out there more? What's your thoughts on that? Because that, that to me, baffles me. It is. It's it's just one of those things, Phil. I I think, you know, at least with – I mean – Timu made that big, huge play, you know, to, to time that when he um, burst through the hole on the, on the goal line stand there. But still, you saw the the big issue of John Timu rear its ugly head again with him missing tackles. And, I mean, that, that, that was sort of the same case today. And, uh, you know, with Jarrell Freeman just being – <laughs> all world out there to me i'm not That's sure why you take a guy yeah i i to me i don't know why you take a guy like Kwiatkowski even off the off the field at this point for for anybody else because i said he's you know he he doesn't look big out there but man does he show up and i mean with his strength and i mean he strikes guys and they they just go backwards it's uh you know what a place we came from last year from from our inside linebackers to this year you know having Danny Trevathan's on the shelf right now but Jarrell Freeman and then Nick Kwiatkowski it's pretty fun to watch well and who did Jonathan Anderson have to piss off to be cut and replaced with the John Timu I mean what I mean he went from starting in place of of Danny Trevathan to cut in like a couple days and that was really I mean it's one thing if he has a bad game and you bench him but I mean, they absolutely cut him. I mean, they were just, you know, practice squad. That's where you go, and John Timber gets the shot. I mean, that just seemed like such a dramatic move. I don't know if that got talked about enough when it happened. It was like, whoa, here's John Timu now. And, and right. Phil and I questioned the decision-making a little bit. I think, uh, was that on the podcast last week, Phil, when we were talking about that briefly, about how it should have taken, shouldn't have taken them four weeks to figure out which inside linebacker they liked more. But it seemed to me like after what we saw from John Timu today, Jonathan Anderson is still the better of the two right now, and – He's now on the practice squad. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't get it at all. Go ahead, Shane. The the one thing you know, and as fans like we are, like we all are, you know, we gotta we gotta remember when things like that happen. We don't know what's going on on you know behind closed doors at Hallis Hall. You know, is he loafing in practice? Is he showing up late to meetings? You know, that's that's something that we can't discount either because I mean, if you know, things like that happen with young players, you know, they do stupid things and it might not always be an issue with him, you know, doing good or bad on the field. But, um, you know, it it could be is something as little as practice habits. Well, you look at this football team going forward and with, they had some bright spots today. We talked about the Jay Cutler narrative being thrown out there to the Bears. Shane, talk a little bit about the Jeff Diggersons and the movement, so to speak. Now Brian Hoyer should take over. Yeah, Alex Brown actually chimed in on it too in the, the post-game live saying that if it was him that uh, he feels that it should be Brian Hoyer's job also because he gets the ball out quicker and he takes care of the ball. So, oh, great analysis from Alex Brown. Yeah, yeah, you know, Mr. Overrated himself. He seems, you know, he's a wonderful guy, but 
I'm not sure if there's been a more um, overrated player by Bears fans overall. You know, he's Mr. He was a good player, but Mr. Mediocre. And I said, I don't, if I'm, I'm definitely not looking to, to Alex Brown for uh, my quarterback info. That's, that's for sure. Or Jeff Dickerson. <laughs> but what about you? No, absolutely. This is Jay Cutler's job. No doubt about it. Um, Aldo had a, a comment on Twitter saying, you know, a, a quote from Brian Hoyer. Um, they were they asked him how he was going to feel if he was benched for Jay Cutler when when Jay could come back and and he said he's going to do you know what they ask him to do because he's going to be a professional and and you know people may look at that two different ways but that's what your backup quarterback should say you know just because you call him a backup quarterback doesn't mean that he's he's bad but Brian Hoyer is a backup quarterback there's he's proven that. And like I think Phil said earlier, you know, this was the Detroit Lions that we played. Let's not make this out to be more than it is. This is a um, – if the Bears for some crazy reason decide to, to bench Jay Cutler for Brian Hoyer moving forward, I'm, I'm completely questioning the whole process moving forward. I mean, if, if, if they're making that move, to me it's clear that the, the Bears are going to just move on from Jay after the season. I mean, wouldn't you guys agree if they do bench him for Hoyer at this point? Yeah, t- absolutely. I mean, you oh can't. Oh, my God, yeah. It's like the Jimmy Clausen thing last year. Or not, right. not last year, with, with the last year of Mark Tressman, excuse me, where it's not, like at this point, if you bench Jay Cutler, it doesn't seem like it's about Jay Cutler's performance because he's been hurt. And, and even right. when he was healthy before, you know, before that, he was making some throws against the Houston Texans. and. I mean, I just don't see how you can, in, in any realm of football, any any coach, any offensive coach can watch every throw that Cutler's made, every throw that Hoyer has made, and really understand both of these quarterbacks like you should expect the Chicago Bears coaching staff to do and make a decision that we would take a healthy Brian Hoyer over a fully healthy Jay Cutler. I mean, I understand if, you know, you, you're getting ready for Indianapolis and you go to Indy and Jay's like, you know, the thumb's still sore and it's not 100%. Sure, start Brian Hoyer again, absolutely, but don't. Once, once your starting quarterback is 100% healthy, he needs to be out there t- taking the snaps in and winning you football games. Because I think this is the kind of stretch of these next two games here that you can really get this offense going against Indianapolis and Jacksonville the next two games before you head to Green Bay on October 20th on Thursday night football for probably the biggest game of the season th- thus far. And, and, you know, you could come out against Indy and, and Jacksonville and actually put some touchdowns on the board now that you seem to have things figured out a little bit with your offense and then that can get you some momentum going into Green Bay. But, you know, if we get another game of Brian Hoyer and then Jay comes out against Jacksonville, and I just don't know. I mean, this is the perfect time for him to come back, and certainly Brian Hoyer's not going to lead you to the promised land. There's just no – it doesn't seem to make much sense at all to put him Let in. me say this, too. Did you guys happen to hear the sideline reporter? Because it was right before the game she was talking and how she spoke to John Fox and it seemed to be the most clear direct answer and this is almost shameful on coach Fox's part because you're at the podium and you're given these you know simplistic kind of messages that a change is coming it's very unclear but According to the sideline reporter Jay Cutler had a very serious thumb injury it was hurt in the Houston game. He tried to play through it. 
the whole Lovey Smith when he hurt his knee and not announcing it correctly and then everyone buried Jay, this kind of simulates that, guys, so to speak. Yeah, and, you know, one thing you got to point out, too, is, you know, how serious is his thumb injury? He didn't have any protection on it today on the sideline. Right. How how serious was it? How is and it? They asked John Fox directly after the game in his post-game presser about, you know, Jay Cutler coming back if it is his job when he's healthy. And Fox's quote was, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. What, we that. just got we got we just got a win. Can I enjoy it just for a couple of minutes? <laughs> How in God's name is that the right answer by a head coach? I mean, now you just opened up the floodgates, right? Yeah. Well, they, they, he didn't just open them up, Phil. They've been open. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Well, the, Ian, the Ian Rappaport quotes earlier in the week kind of are, are sending, saying and sending a message to the football world that they're putting Jay in the back burner now. Yeah, yeah they, I mean, they could be. He never came out. Rappaport never came out with anything definitive either. It was a lot of, you know, maybe he won't even get his job back. And let's, you know, let's not forget just a couple of years ago, uh, Rappaport was the guy that broke, you know, all the news because he had his – his inside source there in Hallis Hall in uh, <laughs> I'm forgetting his M- yeah Aaron Cromer. Cromer. Aaron Cromer yeah so I mean I think if I I don't think there's anything to stop Ian Rappaport if he had anything definitive from just simply coming out and saying that you know he he had a lot of maybes and what ifs and when he came out with that but to me it's more so on John Fox if Jay Cutler is 110 percent your guy moving forward what's why, why not just come out and say that? So, you know, you very well could be right, Phil. I mean, there might be, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. But I just, to, to me, I don't understand what the what the philosophy is there. I mean, it's the hot are hand. they going <laughs> to, yeah, the hot not hand, broken right. hot hand. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, and we've only got about five minutes left in our show here, so we should start to wrap up. Um, we, we, got a, we got one question on Twitter about uh, – the special teams coach, uh, Jeff Rogers, uh, Bear Down Connecticut, was wondering how many more special teams errors will it be before Jeff Rogers gets canned. Last year was dreadful. And he does bring up a good point that there have been a number of special teams errors recently. But, Phil, seeing real quickly in just a minute or two here, is there any chance that – is there any reason to be concerned about him and his job? Well, like I said, I can't – you can't put the punt return – on him, those players were in position. The clip wasn't called, but the rest of them really have to look in the mirror on their play. I'm not going to blame the coach there. Uh, I am going to blame him in week two. You're going up against Philly, and Deontay Thompson's taking him out again in critical situations. That's on you to make sure that that guy knows. Listen, downing it, getting it at the 25, put our offense in position to be successful. That those kind of errors, I can blame on the coaching staff, uh, especially uh, Rogers, Bear Down, CT. I appreciate you chiming in with a question, but I just I don't think ro- this Rogers is out yet. And and another similar special teams related, uh, Robert Mouse tweeted, "Do you think we will get rid of Connor Barth this week?" He also says the QB controversy is back. He said to say, but do you think? Connor Barth is going to get some more competition. I mean, we talked a little bit about they need to, but do you think it'll actually happen, or does he get another week? 
Well, boy, he better get some competition this week, or that's a huge strike against Ryan Pace. Exactly. I agree with you 100%. There's no, Every Monday, there, there should there, be a kicking competition. Go ahead, Shane. There's not a Bears fan. There's not a Bears fan on the planet that when he lined up for that 50-yard field goal, did anybody have any confidence that he was going to kick that through? No. I knew. I knew I didn't. And then you could just feel you could feel the momentum shift a little bit there. I think everybody was expecting Detroit to drive down the field and and, and score a touchdown right before half. But um, yeah, if they don't bring somebody in, you know, they they better be on the phones right now, bringing in guys because. It's um, <laughs> they're gonna call Robbie Gold back, Phil. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's still sitting out there. I think, uh, and I just pulled up a list. I don't know exactly if it's to the date accurate, but Mason Crosby, Greg Zerline, Jordan Gay, Travis Coons, Randy Bullock, uh, Kyle Brinza from the Jets. Uh, those are Josh Scobie still out there. I mean there there's some veteran names out there, but yeah, definitely well, need to see. Some bring in Mason Crosby. Here's a guy kicked in Green Bay and weather conditions. Drink great. <laughs> well, he did battle back through his hiccups there. That's true. I don't know. I honestly believe that you need a guy that wants to kick, and I don't. I think Connor Barth was showing me he was scared to kick today. I, I totally agree with that, Phil. And honestly, I think his one field goal, what was it, 22 yards today? I yeah. don't even think he struck that one clean. I was like, oh, he's going to miss this. Oh, man. Exactly. You can't – I tweeted out a tweet. You can't have kickers that you're nervous for them to go up there and strike it. They got to be confident. I'm scared on every kick with this guy. He's over with, in my opinion. I would have a huge competition – Honestly, with checks right there on a table, here you go. You tell you want this contract, let's go. And honestly, that's how winning franchises work. You put the pressure to play on the guys. And how can we go ahead? Go I say we're one. down to about ninety seconds here, so we do need to to really wrap up here. Real quick, is anybody questioning the starter at running back? <laughs> no, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> took not. him long enough. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we want to thank everyone for listening to uh, Bears Hour Live this time around. Obviously, we had some trouble with the calls taking them in here. We barely got Shane on. I honestly, I could not tell you how he just kind of was on at one point, and I said, "Oh, Shane's in the call. We got, we finally got him." So, uh, hopefully, next week. I mean, I don't see any reason why we won't have that figured out next week, and we'll, we'll have plenty more of, of people involved. But definitely, Shane, thanks for coming on, and thanks for talking with us thanks, and everyone Shane. else. Thanks for listening. It was nice to see a Bears win, maybe a little bit more hope this week moving forward. And uh, with that, we're going to have to wrap up Bears Hour Live.